Welcome to the Codependent Me Podcast. I'm Tamara Shaw, a recovering codependent, a codependent life coach, and the co-author of God Turned Mommy's Wine Into Water. This podcast was created to increase the awareness of codependency and to give a more holistic look at the journey and healing of codependence. Welcome to the Codependent Me podcast. My name is Tamala Shaw. I am your host. And today we have Trisha Paradell. I am so, 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 so happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for reaching out. We're both on Podmatch and somehow you just chose this particular podcast and I'm so grateful. (laughs) So welcome to the show, Trisha. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, I, I reached out for, uh, you know, a specific reason because I, you know, value and appreciate the work that you're doing on your show. Um, and, but also because I'm very passionate about, about serving people that are struggling in a codependent space. Yes. Yes. And that's fantastic. So many people don't realize either they look down on codependency because they they almost feel sorry for a person you know it's almost like when when people say the word codependency they put their head down and Mm -hmm. it's just it's just behavior it's just behavior and behavior can be corrected so I'm so grateful um that you chose us so tell us some things about your wonderful self and I can say that because I've done some studying on you so I can't wait for the audience to be introduced well, I'll try to keep it, you know, short. Um, I, because I, I have some 15 credentials I won't rattle off. Um, so I'm an international master addiction specialist, and that's to mean that I can work anywhere with anybody, regardless. Um, and and the addiction specialist is, you know, for all things process, behavioral, and chemical in nature. Um, but I am also um, a mental health coach, an international mental health coach. Um, is, you know, generally where I just kind of settle, right? I'm, I'm also, and again, I won't go into all of the, you know, degrees, the titles, whatever. Um, but but I'm also a teacher and a trainer and a mentor and a guide for folks that would also like to to be in, in, a, in a coaching space. And the reason I do that is because I'm extremely passionate about the professionalism of the industry, um, and and do believe that it is important that if we are going to be working inside of people's lives, we do so from a place of ethics and morals mm-hmm. and integrity, which means that the level of education that we get in order to do that needs to be above reproach and, and come from a certain space. Um, <laughs> and which leads me to, you know, my, my private coaching practice. Um, definitely is all seated in evidence-based practice that has been converted to coaching models. Um, And I've done that through studying coaching as an effective psychological practice. So I, I, I very much take people's lives at, at, at a serious level. It's not just because I've walked the journey because I have, I'm, I'm, I have well over a 30 year, uh, story of struggles and battles and trauma and wonderful, amazing wins and triumphs and 
Um, my recovery journey is well over 25 years long. Um, I think we're at like 26 and that does not equate to my That's age crazy. because not everything was ready to change, shift, morph, grow, improve at the same time. Um, so, you know, I think, I think as, as, as beings, we generally are looking for the quick fix. And, and so we want to, you know, to hop into this one magical thing that is going to magically fix us. And the thing is, is we're all unique amoebas. And we all have, you know, beautiful nuances that make us a unique being. And, 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 you know, sometimes, you know, at one transformation uncovers the need for another and, mm. and, and, you know, life is a journey and it's, it's full of, of, ch of change and, and uncomfortable challenges and learning experiences and so if we, you know, talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, like self-actualization, I don't know as though that ever happened, right? Um, if, because that would mean that we've arrived and there's nowhere else to go. And, right. and my goodness, I just don't think I want that to be any day before, you know, my last breath. Mm. So, so true. And, you know, that's the one thing that I realized you truly, truly just going back. And I know that you didn't really get into all of your credentials, but I have them. And so I know <laughs> how serious you are with uh, bringing your best forward for people, ensuring that you give them everything that they need in order to do the work to heal. Like that's the one thing, you know, if anyone goes on your website, I love the video, you know, I love how, how wonderful you are, how welcoming you are. And that makes a difference. It completely makes a difference. Normally, if you find someone who have the degrees, they may not, and I'm not, you know, I hope people don't take this the wrong way, but you come across very, very warm. You are very warm and welcoming. You are going to take the person as, they, as who they are and work with them on their level, right? 100%. And I... I got that just with the research that I did. So that's why I was so very excited to meet you because you can feel your heart in, oh. in the information that you give out, right? And you don't find that all the time. So it, honestly, I was like, I think I have some work to do. I thought I was, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm very open and my heart is there. I was like, she makes me feel so warm inside. Oh, that so, was lovely to so hear. Beautiful. Thank you. It's so beautiful. It's it's a gift, right? You have the education behind you, but you also have the gift. Well, I think I married my education to to my heart, um, mm. and and so you know, for me, what that that looks like is, you know, when I when I was able to heal something, and then I was studying, it was like, oh, this this theory or this method or this modality, right? Like will actually speak to how that transformation felt. And so mm -hmm. I, you know, cared enough to, to marry them together. And yes. anyway, that's beautiful. So you have turning leaves recovery mm -hmm. and it says it teaches people how to live free. That's big. Yeah. That's 
That's really, really big. And on there, you have courses. Um, I believe workshops. Yes. So when it says courses, I know we're going to get into this a bit later, but I'd love for people to know what type of courses you offer. You know, all of my courses are um, learning the practical application of the psychological skill sets, tactics, methods, and modalities that will serve um, serve their journey to whatever that desired outcome is, right? So mm-hmm. if we're talking about life balance, so insert the balance effect, the five-part series um, that that teaches you the practical application. So, and and it's very, everything that I do is one-on-one. So I'm not a one-to-many coach. I'm not, I just am not because each person is so uniquely different that I actually have to show them how to use it in their life. Because although I'm a very, I've been told I'm very adept at in my, in my pre-recorded lessons at touching on almost, you know, everybody's, but still you have different things that come up in life Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, whatever is going on, right. I like to help people pinpoint exactly how to use whatever tactic to serve them in that space. Mm -hmm. Um, So, um, so, you know, that's, that's really the hands-on on piece where, you know, I really have an intimate relationship with all of my clients um, yes. everybody has my cell phone. Um, everybody again, you know, can text me whenever and you know, all of those things. They have direct access to my calendar, the whole nine yards. Um, but so so courses, yes. Um, again, they're they're all four very specific things. Um and the level of ser- severity. Mm-hmm. Um gotcha. And meaning how complex is it? And, and so when I say book a conversation with me, I don't always mean that I have exactly what you need. Sometimes as a right. professional case manager, sometimes that means I'm going to say, let's start over here, go there and start mm-hmm. there too soon for you to we'll create a, a fully collaborative team because sometimes we need other, other professionals. We might need um, an integrative health practitioner. We might need a psychiatrist or, you know, whatever. Um, and, and so it's, it's really, you know, the cultivation of a relationship before we even decide, um, what journey we're going to take, um, whether that be live free, evolve the composure method, um, you know, whatever that might be. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I know that we, we talked about codependency earlier, but you deal in all addictions, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your background, just not the education <laughs> side, but the personal side, whatever you like to. No, I was, I was born with control needs <laughs> and perfectionism needs and all of the things, right? So by the time I was four, I was reading, writing, doing arithmetic, playing chess, um, and I was competitive, I was playing classical piano by five and a half and, uh, competitively swimming by the time I was seven. Um, wow. and, and so there's my perfectionism needs, right. Mm-hmm. Which will 
shed light on some things, you know, later on. But at the age of four, I also experienced my first sexual assault. Um, and, um, and, you know, numerous other traumas, you know, seeing my dad get struck by lightning, um, um, having him, you know, removed from, from my life, minding my mom put me in a car and moved me across the country while he went to rehab, not be having it explained to me really just to come back and have him be killed in a tragic accident a year later. Um, and, and then to lose one male close friend every year after that in almost the identical way, um, also sustaining, um, multiple other, uh, rapes and sexual assaults, um, you know, between the, the period of, of 12 and, and 21. Um, so the, you know, there was a lot of that combined in there, but so when my dad was killed in a tragic accident, when I was 12, um, we were on summer break and, you know, I just really couldn't, I just didn't understand how they were, you know, standing around and, and smiling and telling stories. And it was, you know, so in my adolescence and I was no stranger to alcohol because, you know, we were allowed to have wine in our seven up at dinner and, um, you know, I already knew I liked it because, you know, once a month at church, you know, the, if you, if you got communion yes. in the big church, you got the real wine. So I was already, right. already, yes. already, always asking for that. Right. But when I died, you know, so everybody was standing around drinking and smoking cigarettes is what I observed. And they were all able to smile and I was devastated. So I'm like, mm -hmm. what the hell? Right. Grabbed a six pack and, and a pack of cigarettes and it was on from there. So I started drinking mm -hmm. with regularity um, at the age of 12 and smoking at the age of 12. And so when all of these other traumas were happening, again, the assaults and domestic violence and, and different things, right? Like it was my go-to and, and I just always felt, I don't know, I just never really felt um, really connected to, to the family that I was raised in. And later in life, when I got pregnant, not much later, because I got pregnant at 16 on purpose, um, um, I realized why I never felt really connected was because I had a biological father. Apparently my, my parents that raised me were separated for a minute before I was conceived for roughly the same reason why they were separated when I was 11. Mm -hmm. um, because my dad that raised me did have substance abuse issues. And, uh, but um, so anyway, I'm a, the, the product of that, that separation. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had a different you know, I, I have different genes. And, right. and so I have a different makeup. And it really, once I learned that, it really explained a lot about why, um, yeah. you know, there wasn't that connection and, and why there was such a, you know, a separation with how I felt, you know, connected there. But right. anyway, so I became a codependent at a really young age because I had was so insecure about people leaving me, primarily men, um, or males, should I say, because even, even when they were my, my, uh, my friends, right. Mm -hmm. My male friends were, were dying in tragic accidents. Um, I just really became, you know, um, codependent there, but I also, you know, created that, that I gained that, that perspective that, that they were either going to leave me or abuse me. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the, after my first rape, the, the gentleman stopped me for a year and said, I just want you to be my girlfriend. And I was just like baffled. I'm like, wait a minute, you know, like, so, so what, 
right? You know, when I was young and, and, right. and I had not had, you know, anyway, it was just really confusing. So I developed these, these very codependent ways yes. um, on my friends for, you know, validation to feel, you know, worthy and, yeah. and on men to feel, you know, lovable and all, all the things. Yeah. And, and, and it becomes a very habitual, addictive way of, of, of living. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? We crave it. We starve yes. for it. We are. Yes. It's like a need. And you also, you have these issues with abandonment. You don't want to be abandoned. So you will people please in order to make sure that people stay, mm-hmm. um, you know, and all of these things are happening and you're, you're wanting to, to have people stay even in all of the trauma and abuse that's happening. Mm. So how are you able to heal? from the physical and emotional abuse? Well, I mean, that's a kind of a, a, a long journey, but what it really boiled down to was, um, and, and, and there's a series of things that, that I go went through, um, and a lot of that is in my Live Free program or the foundational skill sets in any, in, in any of my program because they're, they're critical and they're crucial to healing, healing anything. Right. And it's, it's that practical application of those psychological, um, skill sets, et cetera, that, that actually create the level of emotional intelligence. We didn't know we didn't have, but desperately mm-hmm. need to experience living the way we desire. Um, and most of us don't have it because of the conditioning, because of the way, what was, how life was modeled for us. And just general society doesn't have this level of emotional intelligence. Right. Um, we think we do, but we don't. Um, but anyway, so, but, but what it ended up, what ended up really resonating and working for me was, you know, especially if we look at the bad acts of others, right? The domestic violence, the abuse, the the emotional neglect of my parents, the 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 uh, uh, sexual assault, the rape, all of those things, right? right. Those were the bad acts of another person. Mm-hmm. They 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 really didn't have anything to do with me. I was merely the vessel, right? And yes. and if it hadn't have been me, it would have just been somebody else. But that was their bad act, and it wasn't my my um, baggage to carry. Sure, there was a healing process where I had to, you know, to really lean in in different ways and 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 realize that, you know, I got to live through it. Um, it it, it afforded me the ability to to be an empathetic being, um, to have, you know, care and compassion, where where most don't, to to have an understanding. Uh, uh, a deep psychological understanding that a lot of people don't ever understand. Um, and so it was, you know, it translated to me as truly a gift, right. That I got to live through all of the things that I got to live through because I lived through them and, and it, it provided me purpose. It mm. provided me strength and hope and it provided me the a better way to lead by um, a better example for our five children, for our five grandchildren, you know, for anybody, you know, that, that comes around. 
because right. we tend to we tend to hold on to our bad experiences and carry them around and we attach them to to, to the things that are happening in our current life today or you know on to future things or whatever and they just don't belong there right like it was a it was a moment and it's come and it's gone and and <laughs> right like great there, we don't get do-overs there's no take backs there's no you know anything like that right like we right. just have to you know lean in and go for the ride sit in and move through the uncomfortable and 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 find that lesson that will serve us going forward and trash the rest, right? Ruminating, yes. wallowing, and languishing serves no one. Right. And you'll I'm, you'll see me. Um, I am I am big on body, you know. So you'll see different tingles or <laughs> so many things that you're saying is, is resonating. It's you know, like you said. You know, I, I, someone said the other day, you know, I'm just having a bad day. And I was like, okay, is it a bad day or is it a bad 15 minutes? Right. And you will drag it into the rest of the day. You know, so we have to be very mindful on how we say things. Yes. And how because we, you're driving how to work. You're driving to work, right? Because this is one of those practical application moments. Anybody listening, right? You're driving to work and somebody's tailgating you. You have options here. You can get irritated, agitated, annoyed, frustrated, bothered, tap your brakes and let them see your bumper because that was me, German, Irish, Scottish, Sicilian. Taurus born on the cusp of Gemini, right? Uh, born and raised in Southern California, driving the LA streets. Like you want to tailgate me, like here, let me show you. So you have choices, right? You're driving down the freeway. You can either get into that space and then talk about it when you get to work. And then you can still be talking about it at lunch and you can carry that energy and that vibration with you all the way to the end of the day and be like, oh my God, my whole day was horrible and miserable yes. and yuck. It started with this guy on the freeway and then my boss said boo to me sideways. And then Sally was like, you know, disrespectful and blah, 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 right. right? <laughs> Spiral. Yes. Um, <laughs> or, or you can go, ooh, Wow. I don't know what, you know, like, I don't know what's happening for this guy. They're, they're in a hurry. I'm going to move over, right? And wish them well, right? Like, just let them go by. It's going to take me a second, right? Like, just yes. let them go by. Because here's the thing. We want to judge. So the general population goes through life in the stance of a judger. We want to judge them. Like, we want to we want to call them an idiot. Like, are you paying attention? What are you doing? You're the one that's running late, not me. You know, blah, blah, blah. Judge, judge, judge. Right. Instead of saying, ooh, let me get out of your way, right? Like, clearly you've got something urgent going on. Because what? We don't know. Maybe their kid just got hit by a train and they're just trying to get to the hospital. Right. We don't know. It's none of our business. Because right. guess what? This is my life too. It gets to look, feel, be however I want it to. I get to choose. But if that's my life motto, I have to offer that to every single living, breathing being on the planet. That Absolutely. person gets to choose how they want to approach their day. So yeah, sure. Maybe they're just running late. Maybe they're just a jerk, but maybe something else. None of your business. Let right. them go. Like, ooh, right. if you want to vibrate at that energy pal, go for it. And like, I don't want any yeah. part of that. Yes. I want no part of that. Don't so give me your duty. I love <laughs> that. I love that. You know, we have to take control of our own and that's just wonderful. So I know that the audience probably heard this and is thinking about it, like, okay, did she say that she got pregnant on purpose at 16? 
So I of course want to ask about that, but it's so, it's just, it's, it's amazing to me because you did so many things early, right? The competing, the swimming, the, you know, all of that is so early. piano, like all of that is so early. And so, you know, then you decided to uh, have a baby, get pregnant yeah. at 16, right? So I'll let you, please go ahead and explain if you don't mind. Well, you know, I just could feel inside of me, right? Like you hear women usually in their thirties, right? Like my biological clock is going off. I could feel that. Mm. I felt that I was living it. And, and I, and I get that some of that was, you know, needing to be needed. Um, I get that now at this age, I get that some of that was needing to be needed. And I really didn't have, you know, a good social circle. And I, you know, was in a relationship. It wasn't necessarily the greatest. And I, I was always feeling insecure, vulnerable in it. And, you know, my mom was ill-equipped to be a widow at 38 and, you know, kind of became, you know, more of a friend-ish, right? Mm-hmm. Like I love my mom and I don't disparage her. She passed away last year, but, you know, like we did the best we could with where we were. And my siblings had all, were all older and grown and out of the house and had their lives and whatever. But, but really I felt biologically, like I felt it inside of me that, that it was the, you know, that it was my time. And, and of course I, I learned afterwards that it, it was, my pregnancy wasn't the smoothest. I carried him for 10 and a half months. He was actually due June 10th. They didn't take him till July 27th. Um, I know. Right. Yeah. Um, I gained 70 pounds. Um, and uh, I, you know, it, I have a stationary pelvis. So a stick of dynamite wasn't inducing my labor. So they left him in there until like he went into fetal stress and then did a, an emergency C-section. So there was trauma in that in as well. Nice. But um, after that, by the time I was 18, like I was, I was having chronic cysts and they were constantly rupturing and it was constantly causing me issues. And um, I had... I developed severe endometriosis. Um, so anyway, at 18, I lost my second child. Um, and then my third child, I didn't lose that one until I was, I'm going to say 26. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it was right in there, 25, 26. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was after having a couple, you know, surgeries to clean up whatever was going on in there, right? Like all the endometriosis, because they were just refusing to do a hysterectomy. Um, And then I lost that one. And then, you know, even right after losing my my third child, um, you know, I started having like hives every day, right? I would wake up every day with these giant, wealthy hives and my my now husband, he would take me to the ER to get Benadryl injections and nobody could figure it out. Nobody could figure it out. And, and finally, you know, you know, came down to a couple of near death experiences. One, one more significant than, than I care to care to remember. Um, but it was, you know, like, okay, you know, like we're going to go in, we're going to do a partial hysterectomy and nobody was ever really, you know, taking me serious when I was talking to them about the the velocity of the physical issues I was having. And I've always been super connected with my body, which Mm -hmm. um, the whole new story, um, how I peeled all of the autoimmune diseases um, on my own 
um, after getting tired of the side effects of all of the poisons that they'll give you for rheumatoid arthritis and mixed connective tissue disease. Um, but, uh, you know, I could, I was very much in tune and I was like, nah, man, I'm going to die. Like get this out. Right. So they right. opened me up. They're going to do a partial. They're going to try to leave me. Um, cause I'm only 29 at this point. Um, they're going to, you know, try to leave me an ovary. Mm -hmm. They got in there and they're like, whoa, right. Like they were in there way longer than they thought they were going to need to be. And, mm -hmm. you know, they had to really do some major cleanup because they had left it in there for way longer. Um, so you know, this just really started my later years of drinking, um, like my early years, all the trauma, et cetera, mm -hmm. like it was heavy duty, um, heavy duty drinking, you know, through all those traumas, um, and, and then anorexia, um, you know, really set in after I gave birth to my son and, you know, those control needs really go hand in hand, right? Like, um, and, and then you, you know, just throw in that, you know, the people pleasing and the codependencies and um, the insecurities and, and just, it was something I could control. Right. It was something that I could control. And it was also, you know, like to go, to go from 95 pounds at 16 to 170, right. Pregnant like that, that was, yeah, that was a big deal. Absolutely. Uh, and so yeah, I mean, that was just a whole season, right? And then, you know, having body dysmorphia um, was something that I had to learn to live with mm -hmm. um, because it's not necessarily something that goes away. Um, and and so, yeah, it was, you know, some struggles that I that I had there through that period. But my son was the, you know, the biggest gift. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, we are, we are so connected and... And it was, it, it, it was like my only opportunity. Absolutely. And so, you know, I'm always telling yeah. people, you know, like you have to, you have to be in a relationship with your physical body. Your vessel tells you what you need. You That's just need to listen. So if you're feeling anxiety, it's telling you something. You yes. just don't know how to listen to it. If you're yeah. feeling stressed out and overwhelmed, you just don't know how to listen to it right. correctly. And why would you, you haven't studied it. You haven't been through it. You haven't lived there, you know, right. Um, mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, I'm, I'm really so feel so, so blessed, right. Because I get that opportunity to serve overwhelmed, busy women that just want to go from being reactive, derailed, anxious, sad, unstable to being relaxed and having mental resilience. And truly living free. And truly living free. It's beautiful. Right? Because so, habits, I'm just going to leave you with this, I, because I know we didn't get to talk about habits and why living without them fixes everything, right? Habits are what? By definition, habits are impulsive actions without much thought. So ask mm -hmm. yourself, is that mm -hmm. how you want to live your life? If you're in the gym and you're doing exercises, but you're thinking about, I don't know how blue the sky is. You're not paying attention to the muscles. You're not engaging. You're not mm -hmm. connected. I can tell you what, I can get my body in shape just doing things at home by paying attention to my body, right? Mm -hmm. Like vacuuming yeah. is one of the greatest cross training exercise, you know, meaning like, you know, across yes. the body, right? Like, mm -hmm. because I know how to, with my mind, engage the muscle that I want to focus on. 
right? But you got to be connected. So if you're going through life habitually, getting up and going to that 6 a.m. spin class, and if I can't get there, my whole life's a mess, and I'm going to be stressed out and angry at everybody, right? Like, how rigid do you want to be? Right. Yes. Allow some flexibility, some resilience, some bendable, pliable, like mm-hmm. breathable, you know, mm-hmm. relax. <laughs> like you said, listen to the body. The body knows. Yeah. So if you, like you say, if you need to hold in your stomach while you're doing that vacuuming, do that. You know? Hey, every 15 seconds, your core is engaged is equal to a sit up. Right. Or more than that, more than one. I think it's like 15. I, I don't Either even way. care anymore, right? Like I just try Either to way. choose my core engaged because it's better on my back. Right. Absolutely. Better so, for my joints. <laughs> I loved hearing that because I am a creature of habit. I do constantly just, you know, and it, and it, and you're right. It makes it so you just do, you're not in it. You're not truly in it. Your body is just, that's why you can, you know, go to work and then you don't remember driving. Mm-hmm. It's autopilot. So I can, I, I, like I said, I couldn't wait to, to see what you were going to say. Cause I was like, Oh boy, that's me. I can't wait to find out what that's about. So yeah. If you habitually check out in the evening with a, a glass slash bottle of wine, right? Mm-hmm. You're taking this way out that says, oh, you know, like I'm just not even worth, right? Wrapping up those things. I'm just going to cover them up and mask them. And, and really what you're doing that you don't know that you're doing is signing up for more anxiety, more mm-hmm. irritation, more frustration, more agitation, because that glass bottle, because um, nobody drinks a glass of wine. And, and if you do, you don't do it habitually. Um, sorry, right. sorry, I'm calling you. I'm calling you out, right? Like, That's right. Nobody does that. Just like you don't sit down with like, unless you've got the true discipline and you're totally connected and you know what you know. You remove the emotional purpose for the for the bucket of ice cream that that you're sitting down to eat emotionally, right? Like mm-hmm. the only time somebody can sit down and have just a little bit of ice cream is because they're not doing it for an emotional purpose. Right. Right. It's when we, when we bring in and, and and this is all locus of control theory and, um, and, and all of that. Right. But if we, if we are, if we have assigned an emotional purpose to alcohol, to ice cream, to potato chips, to the, the shiny object syndrome, right. Whatever, Right. Mm-hmm. Whatever that is that we got to mm-hmm. buy um, or, 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 right. Like whatever, if there's an emotional purpose for something outside of you to bring you right. peace, joy, comfort, relief, value, validity, worthiness, mm-hmm. it's the mm-hmm. wrong relationship. Put it down. Almost yes. cussed right there. You could have. <laughs> it's okay. This is your episode. You do whatever you want. <laughs> it's okay. Right. We have to stop relying on things outside that's to bring us peace, joy, comfort, relief, value, validity, worthiness. And that means people, places, things. Right. Um, that doesn't mean we have to give them all up because if we love something, we love something and that's great. Like I love food, right? But I don't eat it for emotional purposes. I do, you know, I, I don't restrict it for emotional purposes and I don't overindulge in it for emotional purposes. It yeah. is sustenance, right? It is mm-hmm. my energy. It is my fuel. Mm-hmm. but I also get to enjoy things that I love, right? Like I have to be careful with those refined sugars because I'm also a sugar addict, right? right. Like, um, so, you know, I have to make sure that I'm not doing it for an emotional purpose. Like last night I was like, I want a cookie. 
So I made cookies. I ate a cookie. I put the rest of them away. In fact, I didn't even bake them all. I put the rest of the batter in the in the freezer. Mm-hmm. That's some discipline, but that took me some yes. years. That's been my longest journey is my relationship with food. And that started at 26. So <laughs> um, anyway, I could talk to you for hours oh, upon hours. And I could, I could hours, be here. Right? But we've yes. got to all learn. We've got to all learn how to deal with life stressors and, right. and do so effectively. And be like you said, be connected. You know, mm-hmm. one thing that I've learned, even with myself, you have to be very intentional. So I have to think about my intentions all day, even when it comes for me, it's food. When I, why am I eating this? Am I eating this because I'm frustrated? Am I eating this because my day is hard, you know, or am I eating this because I'm hungry and this is what I prefer to eat. Most times I'm not hungry. I'm stressed, (laughs) you know, or, um, Yeah, it's last night I was, I needed to finish this workbook and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sleepy. The first thing I wanted to do, I was like, I can go downstairs and either make some popcorn or grab some cookies and chips and that'll keep me up. No, that's the wrong reason. What I did was I grabbed some water and I went back upstairs and it helped, you know, but it's all about your intention. What is my intention when I'm sitting at this table or I grab this bag? What am I doing this for? Right. And there's a lot that goes into that. Again, it's, you know, like you got to know, you got to know your whys on, on a lot of levels. Um, And where does it come from? Where does it stem from? So that we can recreate, right? Like we can reform or we can readjust whatever it is, right? Like everybody's different and Mm -hmm. everybody is different. And I will say like, I work with a lot of people with their, on their relationship with food. And it is, you know, one of the longer, harder journeys because we can't just put down food like we can put down alcohol. Right. And we, you know, but we also can't restrict it beyond a healthy level. And we, you know, it's, it's really, truly, and there's, and there's different factors is, is, you know, like, what is it about this type of food versus that, you know, and, and, and it's very complex. Um, but once we change our relationship with it, right. Like I've got clients that I've, I've helped them change their relationship with their bottle of wine where they, they didn't have to give it up at all. They just had to change their relationship with it. Hmm. Hmm. That's big. Yeah. Because now we just get to be sober conscious and, and it's not a restrictive thing. It's not like I'm going to restrict myself and, you know, put limits on limits and limitations on it. Sure. We need limits and limitations, but we, what we really need to do, and this is the tricky part is figuring out how we need to change the relationship. Fortunately for me, I'm trained to, to identify how those relationships need to be changed and where they're, you know, appropriate or inappropriate. And it's fairly easy for me to do, but, um, but yeah, I think that's amazing because, you know, of course I grew up with alcoholics just flying everywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, my mother, my father, both recovering alcoholics. So of course they have the study and the, the, everything is, I cannot have another drink for the rest of my life. That is their restriction. If I have a drink, 
then there's a possibility that the next time I'll have two drinks, then the next time I'll have eight drinks, then the next time I'm at the liquor store honking about how many bottles of liquor I want because they're used to me being there, right? So Uh like, if I could, if you could just explain a little bit about that, because most times we're told you cannot drink ever again. That's because, because standardized treatment falls short. Um, and, and I'm just going to say that I've worked yeah. in every level yeah. of addiction treatment. Every level has its purpose um, and, and, and its level of value, right? If it's, you know, stabilization, right? Just to get the, you know, the groundwork going, whatever it is, every level has its value. Um, but they all fall short in, in, in creating again, that level of emotional intelligence. We didn't know we didn't have, but need in order to have lifelong success, especially in recovery, Mm -hmm. because we don't have distress tolerance. We don't have emotion regulation. Mm -hmm. Just removing the alcohol doesn't make those things, you know, show up. Right. Right. We have to, we have to work on again, how, how do I handle adversity? Right. But they, one, they don't teach about post-acute withdrawal. Post-acute withdrawal lasts for two years. It's nothing short of PMS on crack. And I guarantee you in the last 10 years, I haven't seen one relapse that wasn't directly tied to post-acute withdrawal. So there's that. And if anybody needs to hear, learn more about post-acute withdrawal, just send me a message. Um, Because, right, like we could teach a lot of lessons here, but here's the deal. The, the, Everything that I have learned in my journey, everything that is inside of my live free and or evolve program is what 100% teaches you that even if you have a drink, it doesn't mean that you're going to have more. doesn't mean go out and test the theory either, right? But I have been served accidentally multiple times, right? And not one of them prompted me a 30 plus year alcoholic, not one of them prompted me to get another or to seek another or to crave another or to anything. Why? Because I changed Mm -hmm. my cognitive Mm -hmm. relationship, emotional relationship. There's no purpose for, I didn't even feel altered. Mm. I, I only could tell because it was like, Oh, wait, that's warm, right? right? One time, I'd say probably the second time the, the reward center went off in my brain. Mm-hmm. But you knew that. The type, type of alcohol that was in it, probably. Right, yeah, right? yeah. But you knew that. You, when yep. it happened, you at identified sip, with it. At one sip, right. reward center. And, 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 but because of my emotional intelligence, that I've created at this level of up here, right? My husband's like, you don't get derailed about anything. Like nothing knocks you off, right? Like my mom just passed away in May. And and was I emotional? Sure. But I don't, right? Like mm, there, anyway, but- No, I, 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 get, know, I get it. <laughs> just, just I, I changed that so, so that- I don't seek to be altered in any way, shape or form. So 
even being served want, right? But we have to get past that. Why are you getting sober? Why are you being clean? Are you doing it for you? What is your emotional purpose? We have to create that level of emotional intelligence that off that allows you to go deeper than just, I got to put this down because this right. isn't your problem. Because this it's the, the underlying, it's what, it's the reasoning you're, you're covering for something. It's your conditioning. It's, it's, it's your internal beliefs. It's the, it's the way it's the lens that you see your environment. It's the filters in which you absorb information and, and it's your translation of things that is skewed. Mm -hmm. Right. So even putting this down, ain't going to make it any better. I work with so many people that call me up and they're like, I've been sober for eight years and I've never been able to find happiness. Like, how are you so stinking happy, right? Like all I do is get up, go to work, come home, make dinner, sit down on the you know couch and watch TV and I'm not satisfied. I'm like, well, why aren't you satisfied with that? Like, what more do you need, right? Like, what more do you need in your life? And they're like, doesn't that sound boring to you? And I'm like, you know, like, I don't know. Do you feel like you need to have a party well into your fifties? I just don't understand. Like, you know, like, that shit's okay for, for, you know, the 20 year olds or, you know, whatever. Right. right. But at some point in time, we're supposed to stop being reason. that guy at the bar. Right. Your right. physical body is not even built to, to process more than one alcoholic beverage on any given day. Right. So take yes. all diagnostic criteria out of it. Anything more than one, you're just saying, I don't have any respect for my organs. So this is, okay, so of course I'm the, the daughter of recovering alcoholics, so I have questions. Sure. So one thing that I realized is- That's why you have your food issues, by the way. It's mm -hmm. the same for yes. you. It's exactly yep. the same. It's, it's no just different. a different, it's just I, a different, yeah, yeah, it's a different source. So yeah. that's what I was going to say when, so like when my mom, when she first stopped drinking, she moved to sweets then you know right. then was something else and then it was like at one point it was even church like she was at church right. all the time and it's because you're transferring because you're not dealing with the underlying situation right right okay that's what I want I just wanted yes. to, to make 100%. sure I was thinking correctly because it's not the the it's not the alcohol you are covering or dealing with things because of something else. And that's what needs to be healed. That's what needs to be talked about. That's what needs to be. Um, and then there's stuff under that as well. Yes. It's a muck. <laughs> it's yeah. a muck. So right. I don't want to disrespect your time. I know you, and we, we said we would keep it until six. So I do want to say, um, please let the audience know how can they contact you? The easiest way to get me is to just go to my website, which is turningleavesrecovery.com -E because in the top left-hand corner, you'll find my cell phone number. And in the top right-hand corner, you will see a link that says book a conversation. Mm -hmm. and, and it's as easy as that. And then like, I, I've been on there. So I know that your telephone number is there. Um, her link to Facebook, Instagram, all of that is there. I'm a part of your, um, I've liked your page. I've been all on it. It's wonderful. Um, so everyone, please, 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 if you have questions, reach out. If you just want to go on there to just to get information, go on the website. 
It is turningleavesrecovery.com, L-E-A-V-E-S, turningleavesrecovery.com. It is phenomenal. Been there, and that's why I was so, so grateful <laughs> for thank this time. So thank you so much. Thank you so I much. This has been it. so wonderful. Um, so I ask everyone all the time, if you could say anything, one last thing to the audience, what would it be? I'm going to say it's live for yourself first without feeling guilty, selfish, punished, or restricted. And if you don't know how, find a way. That's good. And make sure that the person that you work with speaks your language. That's big. Because if you're working with a provider that doesn't speak a language that resonates with your heart, with your soul, it's not going to serve you anyway. That's right. And it's too many people out here that you there's there's definitely someone out there for you so if you don't feel like you're being served find someone else it's okay it's not disrespectful codependence i know you are people pleaser but you can say no you're not for you (laughs) and you're not for me so that is okay (laughs) absolutely thank you trisha so much for being on the codependent me podcast thank you i appreciate you more than you know and i want to tell the audience as i always tell you you can pick any podcast and you chose this one. So thank you. I appreciate you. And I'd like you to know that you matter and your story matters. Bye. I understand that nothing is more valuable than your time. So thank you for listening. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Codependent Me. And check out my website at codependentme.org. Thanks so much. Have a great day.